0: Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations Women's Edition. I'm Crystal Fulton, and I'm here with my lovely co-host Alicia and we Also, have our special guest, which is assistant pastor, pastor our assistant pastor, Dr. Renee Smith, and from the Kingdom Center, from Ambassadors. Um, and so today it's going to be a special edition where we're just kind of going to have an open discussion um at interview type style um we're going to ask pastor renee a couple of questions first we're going to start with kind of your upbringing um just a little background of you uh, and so i'm going to start off with tori and so you can go ahead and start with your question to uh, pastor renee
1: You're muted,
2: Tori. Let me unmute my mic. Um, but I also want to thank you, Dr. Knight, for your time. I am very excited about this interview. But one thing that I wanted to know, if you could share with us just a little bit about your upbringing, like did you grow up in church, um, religion? And so what did that, what did that look like for you?
3: Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I was born in Philadelphia, but I was raised in Savannah, Georgia, in a single-parent home with my mom, and I am one of five of the children that she birthed, and I was, um, you know, we, we were brought up Baptists, and you were asking, was I raised in church? Oh, what, what Black person wasn't raised in church? I'm just <laughs> thinking. I was like, I don't know, but yeah, I was raised in church. And so the way I grew up, every Wednesday we went to church, every Sunday we went to church. As a matter of fact, the church was right in front of my grandmother's house, long history in that, but it was walking distance, probably about 900 feet, something like that. So it was right, right in front of uh, my grandmother's house. And so we were there, every Wednesday, every Sunday, that was normal and nothing else. I mean, that was just a part of what we did. So that was normal for me. So that's my background on the church part. And what was your other, what was the other part of the question?
2: Uh, awesome. I mentioned your parents, um, but you answered that question when you mentioned the church.
3: Okay. Okay.
2: So one thing, Dr. Renee, in your answer, you mentioned that your church was about 900 feet from your house. How was that, you know, growing up with the church literally right there?
3: <laughs> well, um, it was just a way of life. I mean, that was normal to me. It wasn't abnormal to be able to go to my grandmother's house. And um, we knew exactly what we were going to do. We had, um, what is it called? Sunday school at 9 a.m., followed by regular service, is what it was called at 11 a.m. And then after, Church service was over. We would walk back to my grandmother's house and and have dinner. That was the normal thing that we did every Sunday. And if you lived in the household with my mom, Alicia Wesley, uh, it was understood that you were going to church. There was no if, ands, or about it. It was just like, yeah, that's what you were doing. So everybody knew and everybody just flowed. That's what we did. And um, getting going a little further, the dynamics was a little different for me because even when I was eight years old, the pastor would ask me to sing before he would get up to preach. And so that was something because I, I, when I was younger, I had a voice, like I sounded like an adult. It was kind of, it's, it's funny now when I look back, but my voice sounded like an adult. So they were like, get her to sing, get her to sing. So I would sing before he would minister and I was also a part of the choir. So that was my normalcy.
2: Gotcha, so it really was like a community. So interesting to hear that, you know, just hear that dynamic. Cause I didn't grow up in church, so I love to, you know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was, I didn't, I was actually, when I started going to church, Dr. Knight, I was going, I was an adult, I was going by myself. So yeah, I mean, not that I had never been, we just wasn't consistent, so yeah. Okay, okay. You know, so, for me, go ahead I'm sorry Crystal go ahead
0: um, I just wanted to add, add to my upbringing as well like uh, for me it was different because I grew up in a church I grew up in church but I grew up in a majority of uh, white church so I didn't know like I didn't grow up knowing a lot of the traditions that um, African-American churches had so um, I found that pretty that's pretty interesting how diverse that is and so like we sang and all of that, but a lot of the songs that um, African American churches sing, like I just I don't know. Um, a lot of people will be like, "Hey, you know this song?" and I'm like, "No, nah, I don't know that one." Um, so <laughs> uh, it's it's just different, um, but it's interesting how you know Elohim kind of brings things together. But so uh, Alicia, did you have anything to say? Well, I grew up in church, at the church, under
1: the church. We were at <laughs> church every day, just about you welcome. every day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alicia's my daughter. That, that, For those of you do, who are listening, uh, she's my daughter. Um, For I birthed four, but I raised seven children. I called the other three my bonus, but we really don't make a distinction because the way we raised them, they were all my children. But anyway, so Alicia, Go ahead, Alicia. Go ahead and say what you were saying. Yes.
1: Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you so much. Now I can uh, drop the M word, mom, because I was I was waiting to introduce that part. So thank you for going ahead and uh, <laughs> letting that cat out the bag. But yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm really grateful to um, be a part of this conversation with not only my mom, but my mentor. Um, she's also a business owner, an author, um, a wife, mother, you know, assistant pastor she wears a lot of hats and so sometimes I almost forget like yeah she did grow up she was a kid at, at some point so it's interesting <laughs> that that was like where we started talking about like um you know how she grew up and things like that um and now to see you wearing all of these hats and um doing all of these things she also um, was she also was the director of a child care center for years and years so you've accomplished a lot and I'm really uh, glad to have been able to be under your mentorship um, and my question is just how do you balance it all like how do you balance with family ministry being a wife being a full-time business owner all of these are full-time jobs So how do you balance that as well as making sure that you have your personal study time and those and that sort of thing?
3: Well, Alicia, when you find out, let me know how to balance (laughs) it. Because, you know, it's we're just we're doing life and we're doing it as the best we know how. How do you balance it? Well, one thing, Alicia, by you being in the home, you've seen a lot, you've seen a lot and you've experienced a lot. So one thing for sure that we have done, uh, we always allow our children to work with us in our business. That's one. We are entrepreneurs. We've been entrepreneurs for over, for myself, over 25 years. and my husband, he's been an entrepreneur longer. And so the things that we do, we have trained them um, in ministry. They, they are with us. They were with us most of the time. You know, with our business, we train them to do different things, such as accounting, uh, just different facets of the business that definitely has helped them in their businesses now. And so how do you balance that? When we're with family, we're with family. When I'm with my husband, I'm 100% with him. I'm not, uh, oh, my mind isn't somewhere else. So that's one way of balance. And then we do it together. We do things together. Um, as far as you said business, um, personal study that.
1: time as well. Oh,
3: um, and then um, s- study time for me, the best, the time that I really enjoy studying, it's, it's going to sound weird, is like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. That's, that's the time where I feel like I'm not, that's my time that I can study, listen, just you know, get into the word. And then there are times where, whereas I'll study throughout the day, but it's a lifestyle. So how do you do it? You do them all and you do them all in the best of your ability. My dynamics are different from your dynamics. You know, you have younger children, so you have to see what's going to work for your family. Um, Of course, you can't teach, uh, you can't teach them how to, uh, like most of you, you have younger children. So They're not going to be involved in the accounting at this time, but they can do different things at that age. And you're training them and grooming them and showing them what to do. And then they're raised in it. And it's it's just normal. Uh, Yesterday, we had the opportunity because it was so wonderful outside. The weather was just beautiful. So we made it a point to go out as a family. No, everybody didn't try to do their own thing. It's just moments that we enjoy, and we do things together, and we take advantage of that opportunity. So that's how we do it. I don't know how you're doing it. Hope you're doing it, the best of your ability, and um, without you know any hesitation or whatever. But that's that's how it works for us, and it's working out well.
1: Yes, I appreciate that. Um, so what what about when? we were younger, what did that look like for you? Like how, how were you able to balance um, then when you also had you know two and three year olds running up behind you?
3: Well, at one time I thought, hmm, I'm gonna go back to work. I remember Alicia when you were six weeks old and I decided at that particular time I was in banking And I was working in loan operations and they held my job for me. That was a big thing back then to get your job held for you. They didn't have all this other stuff they have now, the Family Medical Leave Act and all that. They didn't have that then. So they held my job for me. And when you were six weeks, I went back to work and I had a total meltdown. I was like, I can't do this. I cannot be away from my baby like this it's my responsibility to take care of her so you know in spite that i had a degree in computer science with emphasis in business and and i was planning on doing some things in banking and growing with the company and you know they wanted me to do some things they were pretty mad at me <laughs> when I decided uh, I can't do this and I just broke down. And um, from then on, I saw that I needed to be with my children, help raise them in the admonition of, we weren't saying Yahweh at that time, but the Lord, you know, raise them up to the best of my ability because that was my responsibility. And as I was doing that, You know, I had the opportunity to see so many things um, in so many different developments and stages. You know, being able to nurse my children breastfeed, that was important to me. You know, being able to do that, being able to uh, just be with them, spend time with them, raise them, um, just show them different things. I was the one who taught Alicia how to write. How to read before she was in kindergarten. It was never the responsibility of the school, so I made sure that I educated them, educated my children, because that was my responsibility. I wanted to be the one to have that influence and to cultivate them, mold them, versus being um, influenced by outside factors. So that was that was really important. So. All of that's important. The person, whoever you are, if you're listening, as you're making these decisions, you have to decide what's important to you. What are your goals? What do you want to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What does it look like? Because for you, you may decide that, or some of you, you may decide, well, I can go out and work. Well, for me, that wasn't a good fit. I decided to work at home. I decided to Um, You mentioned earlier about having uh, a a daycare. We had a three-star daycare. I did that for about 10 years. And that was my avenue so that I could be around my children. You know, they could still interact with other children and I can pull them in and out of class like I wanted to, things like that. And, but I would still have that primary influence on them. So that was very important to me. And guess what? We made money too. (laughs) So uh, Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. And then before the daycare, I I was um, an educator as far as teaching in a Christian school. I taught fifth through eighth grade. Also, I had a home daycare. That was another opportunity for me to be around my children and bring income because I am an asset. I'm not a a liability to my husband. You know, so um, those are different ways that were successful for me to allow me that opportunity to be with my children and show them different things that, you know, if they were away from me eight hours out of the day, how can I influence them and be that impactful the way I want it to be, you know, so, yeah.
2: I actually have a question if I can. I know one thing you mentioned is that you made that transition and you did things with your family. And if you, like you just said, if I'm at work eight hours away from my family, how can I, you know, influence my children? But I know now a lot of moms feel like, um, there's this idea that if you stay home, you know, you're not doing anything, you're not being productive. You know, people think that you're lazy if you're a stay at home mom. So, Um, And we know that in kingdom, there is no pressure when you're living out the father's will and being obedient. But, you know, some women will feel that pressure. Some women may, some women may desire to stay home, but they feel that pressure from outside forces or social media or even family that's telling them, you know, you need to go to work and those kids need to be socialized at school. You know, what would you say to that mom who's in that position who desires to stay home, but, you know, just. So many things are telling her that that's not how you do that.
3: Well, it's something that you have to work your way toward. Just because you have the desire to stay home does not mean you have that ability to stay home. So it may, it may look like you um, looking at your finances and cutting some things out that you may not necessarily need. That you think you you maybe you thought it was essential and like, okay, yeah, I, I really don't need this car that was sixty thousand dollars. I can sell it for the car that's twenty thousand. I can sell it for the car that's five thousand. You know, you're looking at your budget and cutting things out for these things that it seemed like they're so essential, but really, it's not a necessity. So things, you, you're looking at things like that to put yourself in position so that you can stay at home, so that uh, by you being at home, it won't be a burden to your family, but be an asset. And then as far as the part about us sitting home and, you know, um, we, there are so many things that people say like, oh, I can't believe you stay at home all day. Woo, there's so, much, there's so much to do here until sometimes I think, because I'm a list maker and, and um, I've trained, I've grown my daughter to be that way also. I make lists and I try to accomplish what's on, what's on my list, but if I don't do it now, I don't beat myself up as much. But when you're at home, you have more opportunity and you have time freedom to do various things. I'm not on somebody's clock. You know, and um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the opportunity that that I did have the time to be able to spend that time with my husband and then the children just growing, you know, raising them up like that.
1: And if I could add to that, because uh, <laughs> so many things are going through my mind. First of all, that definitely... Um... To those who feel like being a stay-at-home mom is you're lazy, <laughs> I'll just <laughs> say you haven't been at home, <laughs> right? Right. I tell before. people it's I easier know. to
2: go to work than to stay home. Hello, <laughs> somebody. Yeah.
1: It's like yeah. five jobs in one. So, and it's so funny because you were talking about, um, or, or the word that kept coming to me, mom, as you were talking, was sacrifice. Yeah. Um, you know, it it requires a lot of sacrifice. And I would never forget when um I had first had my first son Judah and mm-hmm. mom, you were talking to me and you were like, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm so glad that you're making the sacrifice to stay at home. Yeah. And I was thinking in my head, like, sacrifice, this is, like, the life for me. This is not a sacrifice. I loved, uh, you know, I was just so enamored with being a mom and, you know, being, like, I'm thinking, this is the life. But now I understand a little bit more about what she meant. And I'm also, (laughs) I'm also, um, I also think about people who, you know, aren't in the position Like maybe they have other financial, um, you know, things going on or, you know, just different reasons to where they aren't able to be at home um, and may have that desire, kind of like you were saying. And so we all have to make some sort of sacrifice. And as kingdom women, especially, you know, knowing that we have such a huge responsibility when it comes to um, teaching our children and um, supporting our husband their sacrifice on all, you know, in all of our lives. Um, and so I'm glad that you shared kind of what that looked like for you. Um, so I don't know, Crystal, what do you think about about this? Because I know even your situation is a little bit different.
0: Um, it's interesting because I just had this conversation with someone because I was actually one of those people who thought that stay-at-home moms were lazy and... before I met any of you guys but I yeah I was like yeah people women who don't go go to work they're lazy blah 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 and I was just talking to someone and I was like that is so far from the truth because you don't get a day off there is no days off and you know as kingdom women um we're also supporting our husband in businesses and stuff like that. And there is no, hey, you know, I'm not feeling well, I'm just gonna take the day off. And it's like, no, but you can do that on on your job and they'll find a replacement. There is no replacement for the mother, wife, woman of the family. So um, I was, yeah, I was talking to someone about that. So it's interesting that that came up. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Pastor Renee, How was that transition, Um, and you might have mentioned this, but how was that transition, not only like physically with finances and all that, but mentally, because you kind of have to mentally prepare yourself for that transition of working outside of the home versus working in the home. Because I know, and I'm just going to say this and I'll let you answer, but um, I know with my parents, um, they're retired. So it's a little different from stay at home moms, but um, my mom, she's just like, she had to rewire her whole life because she was just so used to waking up at a certain time, fixing her lunch, then going to work. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to ask, and you know, Tori and Alicia, y'all are both stay at home moms as well. And y'all both are um, supporting your husbands in businesses. So I just kind of want to get all of y'all insight on, how was that transition mentally? But I'll well, let you, Pastor Renee, first.
3: Mentally, I had to make a transition, like you said, of what I thought it would look like for me. Because at first, of course, I thought I was going to be working 40 hours a week minimum, you know, and um, then when I transitioned to the home and then I was working at home, mentally, I had to make sure that I got time to refresh myself. You know, if I don't take care of me, how can I take care of the children? If I'm always tired. And then, you know, when you first have a baby, you are, I don't know about y'all, but I was always tired. So I would try to nap as much as I could. And because my husband was so understanding, he helped me out in other areas and he didn't put any pressure on me. So, uh, I could say that mentally there was a transition, but what it what it really boils down to, when I'm looking at who who am I trying to um, who am I trying to impress? Am I trying to impress people who won't pay my bills, who are not going to be going home with me? <laughs> who you know who am I trying to impress? Impress? Am I am I truly trying to impress the father? As long as I impress him, I know that I will impress my husband. As long as I impress him, I know that my children, they'll be fine. You know, so we have to redefine what we think is normal and acceptable, because some things that's normal in society is not accepted by Elohim. So, those are things that we think about, just redefine, refocus, reevaluate things and see what's important and doing those things that's important. All right. So, what do y'all think?
1: You said a lot. You said a lot. You said a lot. Man, um, <laughs> and I, you know, Crystal, I definitely went through uh, a, a transition, you know, going through that transition mentally, as you say, um, when. So to reiterate, because I know everyone may not know my background, but when um, I was pregnant with my son, I was getting ready to finish up my master's degree. And I I ended up, I actually walked across the stage like nine months pregnant. (laughs) And so immediately after having, um, or after graduating, I had Judah and my husband and I had decided, you know, beforehand that I was going to be staying home in which for some, that was um, like I had a lot to be critical of that because, or I had a lot of people that were critical of that because, you know, non kingdom people, people who are you know part of more so the the present day you know culture and what's popular, women. Um, if, if you put all that into your education, then you should be, you know, working just like your husband is, you know, you have to watch that, that whole mentality. So I'm i to trying to stay focused on what we're talking about and right. not get on that. But, um, so when we made that decision, <clears throat> like I said, I had just graduated with my master's. I was used to working a, a full-time job plus, uh, going to school plus, you know, I was a wife plus involved in ministry. Like I had, you know, I was doing a lot. And so when I made that transition, I basically, number one, I put those same expectations of myself. Like I was like, okay, if I could do all that, then this should be easy. No problem. You know, I should be able to, you know, do all the things. And that just wasn't the case. And it's so funny, mommy, you say, who are you trying to impress? I, you know, that's the question I probably need to answer because who was I trying to impress? Like, why was I so hard on myself? Um, I felt like I just wasn't doing enough. I felt like, you know, I was, I was failing at, in this new role because I was trying to figure it out. Like it, it felt like, felt like a lot. I felt overwhelmed a lot of the time. And I would have conversations, you know, with mom, like, what is going on? Like, why am I not able to do this? And I think it was because I had these unrealistic expectations, number one, that I wasn't allowing, um, allowing myself to kind of settle in and find, you know, find my pace, I guess. I was just thinking it was just going to happen like that. Like, it should just already be in me. I should just go and do it. Even though I'm a mom for the first time, you know, I'm At home for the first time, I'm running the business for the first time. (laughs) So all that to say, um, you know, that transition was a little bit difficult. But once I really what it was, I had to even look at myself differently because I found that I felt like I was more valuable because I had a degree and because I accomplished all these things and because I was a high achiever. And I did not see me being a stay-at-home mom as being an achiever. Like I wasn't looking at it, you know, like that, like doing the day-to-day things. Um, I was like, no, I, I need to be like, I don't know, checking off all the boxes. So um, it was there's it was that list. list. Right there's that list. <laughs> Sometimes you got to throw the list away. Is what That's I right. learned. Throw that list away. Um, yes. So yeah. So Tori, what about you?
2: Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a transition because I worked. I told my husband that I wanted to stay home when we had our baby. And He was like, no, you said you wanted a career. So I had to go to work. So I worked for about a year and then I was um, we were in a position for me to quit. So I was going to quit and I was able to work from home for a while. I don't know. I worked from home for a while. And, but it wasn't until I actually started working from home where I started feeling, where I quit working from home, I should say, where I started to have more trouble because when I was working, I had people helping me because they was like, oh, well, she needs to work. So I had help from grandparents. And then when the job was gone, the help was gone. So here I am with two babies, feeling like I'm in over my head. One kid won't sleep. The other one is falling out all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Um, but I will say that nutrition was a big one. Just really like taking my CMOS. And I know Dr. Renee, like just your text messages of encouragement and you know asking me about my diet, like those really helped. And even now, like I make sure I take my CMOS every day. I'm still kind of scared to give it to my son because he's so hyper, y'all. <laughs> But, <laughs> but um mentally it was hard and it wasn't till recently where it clicked that if I'm you know how you were saying Alicia how I'm supposed to be good at this like I'm designed for this like I can't handle it but I had to realize that yes I can handle it but you have to work up to that you know where we're, we're is I want to call I guess you can call it a training process, but you know, just realizing that I'm I'm 27, I'm still learning a lot. I'm, you know, this is still also my first business, you know, still two young kids. And but my point in saying that is that when I realized that, I also realized if I'm having this much of a hard time or if I'm struggling mentally or if I feel like I need a break. My thought now is okay. You're not spending enough time in the word. It's like okay. Now you're not meditating because it because I I've learned to listen to my conversations with my husband, and just listen to what I'm saying, and 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 he didn't hit me too. We're repeating stuff I said to him, and so when I do that, I'm like okay. Let me get in the word. Let me and and just. I know we learn this a lot, but just praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit will refresh you more than a three-day vacation. Not saying that vacation won't refresh you, but it does so much to your spirit, man. And that's what we're living out of. And just being a mom, I don't know about y'all, but you can't do anything but live out of that spirit, man, because it's hard. Like I would be, you know, lying if I said it wasn't hard days, but that doesn't mean, you know, I don't enjoy it or, you know, it's not valuable because I, you know, I'm, struggle and I'm I'm wrapping up I promise, but I struggle with that too of feeling like I needed that job to be valuable to my family and so and to my husband. And so Dr. Renee, if if it's okay for me to ask this question, um I know you mentioned about being an asset to your husband. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit about that, because that's not something that women here now like to be an asset. You got to be the sexiest thing walking around. Mm. So I was wondering if you could shed some light on that for us.
3: Well, first of all, an asset is not something that you sit on and you're going to catch that later. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, I was going to bring it. Yeah, (laughs) because. I'm an asset because of everything that I bring to the table to my husband. I bring my wisdom, not that he isn't. I mean, I think my husband is brilliant. Dr. Larry, did I not say his name already? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Dr. Larry, we've been married <laughs> for almost, it'll be almost 21 years um, next year. So mm-hmm. I think my husband is brilliant. And I always tell him, you are so smart you are so wise you chose me <laughs> awesome. you are so brilliant so when we think about what we bring to the table i bring my wisdom i bring my poise i bring my experience i bring my knowledge to my children to show them and raise them up in the admonition of yahava or some say the lord i bring them i bring all of that that's what makes me an asset um here's a a testimony that I love to tell. When my husband and I, when we started doing our business, because we're in contracting as well, we're in full-time ministry. We're also full-time entrepreneurs. And I do have that opportunity to work from home. That's great. We're essential workers. We've been recently named as essential (laughs) workers, you know, but anyway, so when we first Started our business. Well, when I first connected to the business, I'm sorry, because he was already doing the business before me. I wanted to, I had this thing that I wanted to be a principal of a school because uh, education, I just love education, love education, blah, blah, blah. So I, I taught for a while. Then my husband asked me to start a daycare. And so I did that for 10 years, but really, I was like, man, I, I really want to be a principal of, of a school. And when I grow up, that's that's still what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all forgot to laugh. But anyway, so when I decided to 100% support the our company that we had together, I was supporting, but I was he was still doing a whole lot. He would be in the field. He would come home. You know, I would help out a little bit as far as the books, um, keeping, you know, account of different things, paperwork. But when I decided to 100% like, okay, this is what I'm focusing on. No more jewelry businesses, no more all these other businesses that I was doing. My CPA or our CPA said, Larry, Renee, I like doing impressions, Larry. Renee, what are y'all doing? Your finances have doubled. What did you do? My husband looked at him. He said, she's helping me uh, full-time now. He was like, well, y'all should have done this a long time ago. (laughs) Our finances doubled because my husband did not have to go out in the field do all of this then come home and do the books and my focus was okay I'm going to support and get in line with the vision that the father has given him mm-hmm. and so by that that helped us out a whole lot so yes there it is
2: I love that. I don't know if I ever told you, Dr. Knight, but that testimony was actually what helped me transition into wow. staying home. So I, I love when you share, share that story. So thank you for that answer.
3: <laughs> yes, thank you, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, and sharing that story, like um, did you have that growing up, I guess going back to kind of when you were growing up, did you have that example growing up?
3: No when I was growing up, my mom did the best that she could. She, as a single woman, you know, um, my mom was, she divorced when she, when I was one years old. So Sweet. I actually met my dad for the first time that I can remember. Cause you know, when I'm one, I don't remember that. But he was like, I was like, um, let me see. I was about 17. 16 or 17 when I first went, flew to Philadelphia because I told my mom, I want to meet my dad. And uh, not getting into details with that, but she was like, okay. I was like, yeah, I want to meet my dad. So I flew there. And then I didn't know that two years later that he was going to be killed. So I'm glad I had that opportunity to meet him. Um, But, you know, did I have that example? No, I did not have that example. And so, so many times I've told my husband, "Thank you so much for showing me what a father is. Thank you for demonstrating that." And sometimes I'm in tears. I'm almost in tears now, and I'm like, "Oh man, I'm so glad to be able to see this and experience this." And so I, I, I often ask my sons, uh, Caleb and Israel, Israel. I asked them, um, "How does it feel to have a mom and dad?" And they just look at me like, "What?" I'm like, "Okay, I know it's normal. You don't know anything different, but I do know the difference." Mm-hmm. I said, "It's amazing to watch, and I'm so glad I get the opportunity to watch it." Yes, man. So,
0: oh, uh, oh, did you have something to say, Alicia? Look like just it.
1: really quick because that's that's so powerful. And you know, when I just think about First of all, that's how Elohim has designed it. Um, both of you, Tori and, and Mom, you you mentioned things that to me connected and that's the power of, of your position. When you know who you are, when you're working as a team, when you're in the right position, just how effective that you can be and to see the results of that is so rewarding. So thank you for the sacrifice you know, that you did make. I'm so glad that you know even though you didn't have that example, you allowed the Holy Spirit to teach you and to mold you into who you are so that when the opportunity came, that you were able to fill that role. And not to say, you know, I'm sure you learned a lot um, about that, but Mm -hmm. just your willingness to do that and how it paid off even in the business um, from that aspect. So-
3: Oh, I wanna share one more thing and then we can go to the next question. There was a transition that had to be made in my mind because, because I was raised um, as a, with, I mean, by a single parent, I didn't realize that my mindset, when I went into the marriage, my mindset was more of a single parent. And I remember the day that the Holy Spirit revealed and, and just brought total illumination that you are handling your family like you are a single parent. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother session. And we can talk about that on another day. But I had to change my perspective because there were things that I was trying to take care of in my mind, you should do it like this and you should do it like that because that's the way it's supposed to be. But there, where was the presence of the father?
0: Yeah.
3: Oh my goodness. So yeah. Okay, so go ahead to, to, with your next question.
1: Can we not, like, come on now. That's too good <laughs> to just move on to the next thing. Oh, that's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole
3: session. Woo. That's an entire session. How we need to... Uh-huh. Because we have normalized things that are abnormal and are not acceptable by the Father. It's the norm to just move about, do everything, and, you know, just do whatever and don't hear have a father in the home, that's Mm -hmm. the new normal, but that's not the way of the kingdom. That's not the way that the father has set things up. Mm -hmm. The father is the source. So if he's the source, then, you know, me as being a wife, I'm here to support the vision that the father has given my husband. But if I've been um, just poured in by society, everything else and everything that you're seeing, it's totally opposite. I'm going to think that that's normal. Right. So we have accepted what is abnormal. And so we're functioning in that dysfunction. Mm-hmm. That has to change. We got to change the way we think.
2: Yeah, Absol- you so said a mouthful, Dr. Now. I want to throw my shoe at you now. I felt something. <laughs> I felt something.
3: Ha <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> ha. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll just say, and then we can definitely move on um, to that point, you know, the importance of, number one, as ambassadors, we really do have to, like, either the father is our owner or he's not. Like, either we're going to allow him to pour into us, and the same thing as a wife I have learned. Either I'm going to submit to my husband or I'm not. And, you know, even to your point, I remember, um, you know, when we first had our, our son, I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, like, never, um, never let your voice overpower your Mm husband when it comes to, you know, even even as it comes to raising the kids. Because you know, I grew up in the daycare. I grew up, you know, I knew a lot about raising children and that sort of thing. But I never wanted Demetrius to feel like I was the primary parent, or I, you know, I knew best. I knew how to do. Like, I always supported his role and encouraged him to feel comfortable raising his children. And I know that sounds, that that should be just the norm, but really for a lot of people, it's not. It's like the mom, she knows best, she's the primary parent. And early on, I'm just so thankful that the Holy Spirit taught me like, no, really allow him to fill that role as father. Um, So it's so interesting. You know, mom, when you were talking about like the whole single parent mindset, and I feel like just society in general focuses on the mom in that role, because that is reality for a lot of people. And they, I mean, and it's it's a disservice to the family dynamic. So I just wanted to add that.
2: And, and I am glad that you said that, Dr. Nair, because these mom groups, I don't know if y'all are any mom groups on Facebook, but they bash their husbands all the time. And, you know, talking about their husbands being stupid and not knowing how to do anything. So it's really just refreshing to hear, you know, you, you're not new to this. You've been doing this for a long time and just, you know. You still like your husband. You still enjoy your husband. Well, I shouldn't yeah, say like, you still friends. love you. <laughs> we, we,
3: we look forward to seeing each other.
2: <laughs> so I we're just I just together. love it.
3: <laughs> we were riding bikes yesterday. I mean, we love each other in the fact that I, I don't try to change him. I don't try to control him. That's a whole different topic. You know, he's a man. He's an, an individual. He has his own mindset uh so all of that's important and then there was something that Alicia said earlier about how you know we just try to do everything there's something that i always like to say and this is what the holy spirit just showed me that we've been so busy running our own lives doing our own things <laughs> and then we say that Elohim is yes. the master and the ruler the one that governs us we're doing everything else, and then we expect the Father to bless what we have not given him charge over. Right. We got to change because we were born into democracy thinking that, you know, you asked me how I was raised in church. We were thinking that our opinion really mattered. But the kingdom tells us that his word is forever settled in heaven and earth and his word is law, talking about the kingdom law. So there's no debate there. So I'm supposed to make sure that I'm allowing the kingdom of heaven, that place, that is there's a total 100% conformity in heaven, that that place is being demonstrated here by me as a kingdom ambassador, and I need to make earth look like heaven. I need to make it look, I mean, whatever is being done in in heaven, I need to make it sure that it looks like him and not how I think it should look. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And so that's where it goes back to changing the way that we think.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. With that um, that concept, when you were just saying, you know, we need to make heaven look like um, earth look like heaven, Um, when did you personally, coming to the knowledge of that?
3: You know, it's funny that you asked because when, um, as I was growing up in church, a foundation was laid, and I believe that they did the best that they knew how. I'm going to say that, but as I continue in the word, because I've always been a student of the word, I've always desired and I've always, even even when I was younger, I would ask questions, but why is that? And they would ask, well, I, I don't know. That's what he said. Just believe it. And I'm like, I, I don't understand, but why? So uh, I remember one time my grandmother said, what, no, don't worry about it, Black child, just, just just obey, you know, stuff like that. It's hilarious because you would have to know her. But you asked, how did I come into that knowledge? Well, a few years ago, I heard the kingdom message taught by my husband, Dr. Larry. And when I heard that word, my response, I totally froze because I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me I was raised in the word I'm a teacher of the word and I've pretty much been doing what I thought was right to the best of my ability, but I was not demonstrating what the father wanted here. And I didn't realize that I was so tied up into religion that I had to break free. And so it's it's kind of hard to say when, but I do know when it happened, when I heard that the kingdom message telling us what, that we have to change the way that we think, because there's a new government here. Now, I can't do what I want to do and say, well, you know, he understands. And just because, and I, I was looking at uh, another question that you have that we may not get to today, but. Just because a person throws in the word kingdom doesn't mean that it's truly kingdom. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me you're having a a kingdom Christmas service. Mm. You're telling me that you're having, um, let's see, a kingdom Easter bunny, uh, whatever. Just because you throw in the word kingdom doesn't mean that it's kingdom. So that's where... What we call the church, how we've gotten off, because the church has allowed religion to speak stronger than the word of Elohim. Religion, man will always, always desire to better themselves and seek after something, and think that okay, religion, this is going to make me feel good if I go get uh, pass out a thousand baskets this year or whatever, I, I, that's what we supposed to do. Now, what I'm supposed to do is look like heaven, make it look like that right here on earth, demonstrate his power and, in the, and his ability right here on earth without compromising. So if the word tells me that I'm supposed to do this, then that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Not, not, not because I think it's right, but because the word is always right. So yeah, that's yeah. the distinction.
1: I had a follow-up question to that. Um, what would you say? Because you talked about that moment when yes. you heard the kingdom message and you realized, I guess, just how much religion was in your belief system. Could you give an example of of you know what that looked like, that religion versus the kingdom? Like what did you have to exchange?
3: Mm, I had to. Like I was saying just then, I had to exchange, here, here's an example. Here's an example. Um, one example, people often say, um, as far as a woman, her body is her body. And so she has the right to have an abortion if she chooses. So the kingdom says, uh, my, I was bought with a price. That's what kingdom says. The kingdom says that we should not commit murder, okay? But religion says, well, God understands. He'll forgive you. Okay, so there has to be a distinction. Is the word right? or Am I gonna go with the word which is law or am I going to go with democracy which this culture has breeded the right temperature, right environment to do whatever I want to do, and then ask the father to bless it or forgive me. So that's that's a, a real good example. You know, some people, you know, they have a problem with that, but don't, I mean, you don't have a problem with me, it's the word you have a problem with. I'm I'm good.
0: Right. Did y'all have any other questions that y'all wanted to ask regarding the kingdom or anything like that?
1: I mean, I'll definitely say for me, like there were a lot of, I I had that exact same moment where, um, you know, kind of like you, I've been raised in church and, you know, I was saved at six. I was filled with the Holy Spirit at seven, like at a very young age, I've known Elohim and I and, and I'll never you know negate that like I know that that was a real thing but um, I also had accepted so many religious ideas that I didn't even realize were there you know like I thought I was doing you know everything I should do or, or whatever and when I heard the kingdom message um, it shook me up too to the point that I was I was questioning in which the enemy wanted to use that to get me off. But because I did have the foundation of the word, I was able to make the exchange, which is really what the father wanted. Um, Because I, and I'm saying this and then, so I I will tell this story about, um, I forget where we were going, but we were on on a road trip. I was talking to dad and he was talking about the Bible. And he was in, I think we were, I know we were talking about the lost books and, I had always been taught or thought that the lost books they were lost for a reason like the reason they weren't in the Bible is because there was error in them and we shouldn't you know we shouldn't question you know the Bible whatever's in the scripture you know that sort of thing. And here's dad telling me like no I don't you know I was reading this book and I'm thinking like you the pastor. Like, you're the one to talk me. What I know about, you know, these things. And so I remember seeing him kind of going through some transitions, even as it relates to scripture. And, you know, he's always been a, a really uh, astute teacher um, on translations and stuff like that. So anyway, so fast forward, that was the first moment for me where I was like, wait a minute, something wrong with the Bible? Like, what What's going on? So anyway, so then when I had that second moment where I had to realize, like, father, I need to learn your ideas. It was like I had to learn everything over again because I had been looking at it through the wrong lens. Um, so, so all that to say, like I had that same kind of earth-shattering moment where it's like, yeah, I didn't realize how religious I was. Go ahead, mom, look like you wanted to say something.
3: Yeah, we may have been on the altar the same day that day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep, so yeah, I can relate
1: all that to say.
0: I know for me, looking back, um, it was just amazing. It's amazing to see how, now looking back, um, how Elohim brought me into the light, like how he just slowly started um revealing things to me well more like i was telling i was talking to somebody the other day and i was like Elohim didn't just start talking to me i just started listening and that part yeah so um he he had been talking to me for so long and trying to reveal things he revealed things through a lot of people throughout my life and it started like almost, I wanna say almost like six years before I came into the ministry. And um, just looking at the surface, I was like, oh, well, you know, I found the ministry through um, Octavian. But it actually happened so long ago where he was just planting nuggets here and there, um, where people were coming at me and were like, um, telling me about how these large churches, were teaching the true knowledge and I was so blinded or what pastor had um, presented where I was just like, no, you know, there's, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. The Bible is true. And um, every scripture in here is the truth. And I'm going to stand on that. And um, just slowly, I started getting out of that religious mindset to where I was, finally open to hear something different like pastor had mentioned in um his teaching i was finally open and when i became open i was able to hear the holy spirit and that's when he was able to just start reveal things to me and then i was able to come into the ministry and totally be open to um the teachings that um we get from Empowerment of faith kingdom center for ambassadors so it's It's just amazing. I know we're running low on time, but it's, um, I would just love to hear like some of the nuggets that came when, you know, when you were coming into the ministry um, um, that you probably received and you still had like those little strongholds along the way, Pastor Renee and if Tori and Alicia, I know we probably don't have enough time for all of that, but um, I just wanted to know like what were some of those strongholds that you might've had? if you hadn't already
3: mentioned them. Okay, well, um, I like to, a lot of times I date myself back to how old Alicia is. That helps me out a lot. So <laughs> Alicia, you're about 27. So I would say about 28 years ago, uh, The this is what the father revealed to me. And I didn't understand it until I heard the kingdom message. Because he would deal with me heavily in dreams and visions. And this particular vision, I remember specifically, the word was this, consider the lilies. And so I woke up, I was like, consider the lilies, consider the lilies. What what is he talking about, consider the lilies? But the father knew that I was going to search it out. So I, I started typing and I started looking up, consider the lilies. Oh, Matthew, I was saying Matthew back then, Matthew 6 and 33. And that particular verse, if y'all remember, it talks about consider the lilies in all this splendor and glory. It's not as beautiful as Solomon. I said that backwards. Consider the lilies, Solomon, all of his splendor and glory. Thank you. Is <laughs> not as beautiful as the lilies, that particular verse. And then it goes on to say, Um, Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink, but seek ye first the kingdom of Elohim and all of his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. So he got my attention. He was pulling on me, telling me, consider all of this. I mean, so when I heard then about the kingdom, I was like, okay, he wants me to seek him, seek him. I didn't understand that he wanted me to make earth look like what was already established in heaven. Back then, I just thought he meant, well, just seek his face, you know? So um, being able to see how things have changed and how we have developed, and I would say layer by layer. Um, When you say stronghold, I really can't, you know, let's see, the stronghold. I I can't put my finger on what would be the stronghold other than religion itself, which was telling me that I could pretty much do what I wanted to do as long as it, you know, I think it might line up with the word, I don't know. And if not, you know, there is forgiveness. You know, one of those things. Hopefully I wasn't living like that, but, the only thing I could really say would be the stronghold would be religion itself. That was a huge stronghold. And so when the word Elohim came forth and was able to break that off of my mindset and allow me to renew my mind and think things like he was, you know, how he thought it was, not how I thought it was to be true. That was the the largest uh, or the biggest impact as far as relating to the making, I mean, me making that transition from religion to kingdom. So I hope that makes sense. And I hope I answered your question when I said that. Couldn't just summarize it in one sentence, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it did. And we are, unfortunately, we are out of time. So hopefully we can do a part two, two at another time. Or are you- sure.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me uh, today. I really appreciate that. And you know what, what you, what you are doing, I almost said what you guys, my husband's trying to get me from saying that so much, but what y'all are doing, you're doing a wonderful job, just getting the word out about the kingdom message. And just um, because people need to see examples. They need to see um, what the father, what he's really saying and not be influenced by religion but being influenced by the kingdom of heaven right here on earth that's what we're doing showing the world what it's supposed to look like and so they get to see that through us so i appreciate you having me on today as your guest
1: thank you we
0: appreciate you you're welcome
3: shalom to all of
0: you and this will conclude our meeting and we just pray that you know whoever's watching, all of y'all who are watching, that you are able to really glean from everything that we're saying here, and that you are able to hear the Holy Spirit through us, and um, feel free to leave any comments, um, questions, or anything like that, so.
2: And make sure y'all like and share. (laughs) Hello.
0: Hello. Hello. All right. Hello.